Welcome to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there is time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. Welcome to episode 100 of the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-host, Mark Painter. And today, we wanted to reflect and look at some of the most popular episodes of our first 100 and why they were popular and kind of look at what's coming up in the future. Uh, Ray's traveling today, so um, what are your thoughts, Mark? Yeah. So first, I'd like to thank everybody who listens. Um, um, second, yeah, it is. Uh, it has been uh, actually a real pleasure as I go around and speak at at various programs now that um, we're gathering uh, again, and uh, and it's uh, and even on phone calls, I'll occasionally get people coming up to me that tell me. They love our podcast, and and usually followed by um, where they listen to the podcast. Um, so you know, one person asked me to stop using so many numbers because they can't write them down when they drive. Um, another person thanked me um, so because they listened to the podcast while hiking, and it helped them get to the top of the mountain because it distracted them. So. Um, it does seem like the podcast is uh, is an on the move program, um, and um, which actually makes a ton of sense uh, across the board. I listen to podcasts as I'm on the move around the country, so um, so it's been it's been great um, to get that feedback. Uh, and uh, again, uh, for more feedback, if you guys want to email us topics to cover. Um, we would certainly appreciate that. Not that we don't have a lot of topics to cover. They're all coming in and circling back around as we see the tweaks around the country. But it's been, uh, it's, you know, I've, I've enjoyed it. Um, and uh, I know Ray and Scott have as well. And, and I've really enjoyed talking to everybody about it. So, um, again, thanks for listening. Yes, thank you again for listening. Uh, so one of the things we wanted to look at, uh, was you know the most popular episodes and kind of why they are popular. Um, one was the TURBT versus bladder fulguration. So, Mark, what do you uh, what are your thoughts on that? Why is that so popular? I mean, in the end, um, there are definitely some nuances in the TURBT and bladder fulguration and biopsy codes. Um, making sure that, you know, for those folks that do, um, treat bladder cancer, of which there are many, um, making sure they're doing that correctly. Um, I get that question a fair amount and certainly from a coder's perspective, and I think this may drive some of it as well. Um, there are a lot of coders that are trying to figure out, um, you know, what size is done and is the documentation being done correctly and whether or not we add uh, bladder tumors. Um, so a little refresher on that every once in a while is is a good idea um, across the board, although it hasn't changed much over the years. Uh, so 
Um, uh, I, you know, I think that was just, that's one of those things, a topic that maybe we hadn't covered in a while that popped up on the radar screen would be my, my guess as to why that was popular. Okay. All right. Um, another popular topic is modifier 25, which uh, always gets a lot of listens and, uh, a lot of interest in Modifier 25. As a matter of fact, we're going to be revisiting Modifier 25 with uh, our guest, Dr. John Lynn, in episode 101. So that's coming up uh, in a week. So Modifier 25, thoughts, Mark? Yeah. So, well, you know, Modifier 25 is one of the most widely or most frequently used and most widely used and the most frequently abused modifier um, within the, the CPT uh, reimbursement world. Um, and in fact, uh, we decided to revisit um, modifier 25 uh, once again next week because we have seen a letter that came from Cigna uh, that uh, indicated that they were going to start reviewing every single encounter that was billed with a modifier 25 before payment was issued. Um, so from a billing side of the equation and an office flow, a real pain in the in the backside. But we are now, um, instead of giving in to the pressure of of giving up on this and the threat that it, you know, the intention of that threat is we've figured out and a lot of practices figured out that it is just like working with a 22 modifier or some of these other codes, just go ahead and bill it like you normally would and, and attach the notes the first time um, and just send them in and let up and bury them. Uh, Cause you know they're going to have to figure out how to 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 review those. Now they may be using some new computer assisted coding technology that's out there. Um, so you do want to have some separate uh, uh, documentation for of a separate issue and the medical necessity therein. And we'll cover that uh, next week again um, because it is you know from a volume standpoint something that the the plans are going to have to deal with, and we'll have to figure out, you know, how how they're going to handle that and what their computer-assisted programs are kicking back, uh, and or if they're going to try and actually deny a lot of these on review as an additional scare tactic, and and are we going to have to appeal a lot of those? So it's worth talking about that up front so that everybody's got their documentation lined up and ready to go so that we can uh we can make Cigna pay for that ridiculous policy. You had mentioned that modifier 25 uh may be overused at times, but are there times when modifier 25 is that you see is underused? Well, I I definitely see that in in many uh institutional decisions. Um and you know every time we talk about modifier 25 there's uh in different groups almost uh always there's a group and i know i won't say always but a, a lot of the time there is somebody in the group who maybe works for a larger organization or 
um, even uh, some of the smaller groups who, you know, basically are stuck in the uh, in the realm where if they don't have a different mod uh, diagnosis, they won't use modifier 25, and which is not a requirement, not part of the rule, um, but it's you know the billing staff doesn't want to uh, do the extra work or the uh, the hospital has decided that it's uh, a, a little bit too risky of a policy to let that go through. In, in other words, decisions made out of convenience um, and not really looking at long-term ROI uh, and the actual services that were provided. One of the next uh, popular topics was in, in past episodes was the ENM 2021 guidelines and you know with the changes last year and the new introduction of the guidelines that um, makes sense that that was popular and as everybody was adjusting to the new rules and getting used to all the new uh, guidelines. Yeah, I mean, Ian, that E and M change was a big one, and and I, you know, I've got to say, as we've gone through and are now doing a number of educational uh, chart reviews for a lot of different groups around the country, um, we have um, really seen that uh, folks have done a good job of adopting to these, uh, adapting to these new guidelines, and. Um, uh, so, you know, kudos to everyone out there for really diving in and, and picking up this. And and I, I, you know, I hope that all the education we did uh, was was helpful in interpreting those guidelines. Um, we still have not seen, you know, any physician uh, official uh, chart reviews from uh, Medicare and, and actually have only had a few arguments um, back and forth with some of the payers on level setting um, with evaluation and management codes. So, you know, I think there's still a little bit being developed around those E&M codes. And of course, once we get some instructional guidelines and additional layers of direction from the various payer organizations, we will pass those on. Um, But right now, I would say um, we I'm impressed with everybody Uh, when I talk to folks. There still are a few misconceptions here, there, and if, and you know, old habits die hard. And I do get some folks that still out there um, tell me that they're really good with the new guidelines, and and if they get a new problem in a in a drug management, then they know it's a four, which is actually the old rules. Um, but you know, trying to you know talking to folks about the fact that you know a chronic condition with exacerbation plus uh, prescription drug management is a four and talking to people about what really prescription drug management is and how it gets documented. Um, There's, so there's still some nuances out there that people are picking up, but I think mostly people are doing really well with the new guidelines and um, we just have some, some nuances to go through. And then of course the response uh, in the future to any other, uh, clarifications that get issued by the payer side. And we still haven't seen a lot of interpretation from CMS either. Yep. We, we So we'll see that. And then but we, we ex, I, I expect that it's either this year or next that we'll see CPT 
um, roll the the E&M guideline changes out to the other categories of service. So so we'll we'll let you know how that comes out, and and that'll be nice to get that over there because they are they are more physician friendly now. That, the one thing I will say is they are not as computer friendly. Um, so, you know, with the way folks are moving around and the way the documentations, uh, uh, guidelines allow a little more free foam coding um, or free text co- uh, documentation, uh, the the EHRs are having a, a, a harder time getting uh, that to that end code mainly not because they can't get the understanding programmed in but because it's harder to justify using those full templates um so um that's you know that's that's one of the things that's out there that that people you know it does transfer that the knowledge base needs to go back to the physician for for all of this and and really understanding how they're interacting with their ehr for those auto calculator tools Another one of the uh, popular topics that uh, were that we covered was PCNL coding, and uh, it always seems like when you're talking urology coding that one of the popular topics <clears throat> always winds up being stone coding of some sort, and in this case, it was the PCNL coding. So, what are your thoughts on why that was so popular? Yeah, that yeah PCNL has been. You know, a struggle. There's not. It's not done as frequently um, around the country, and you know, getting that clarified. But you know, there are some docs that are a little more frequent than others, and you know, PCNL and stone coding is, you know, obviously something that um, over the years we've seen a, a few shifts uh, recently in the codes and a couple of policy shifts around um, the the way they allow for different structures to be built. So, you know, that one, ultimately, I think, uh, I don't know if we'll have to revisit that uh, in the near future, um, but if folks have questions on it, we can uh, certainly add that in and, and we'll uh, probably circle back to it if there's any other changes out there. The uh, final thing we wanted to cover uh, was a, as a popular topic is the No Surprise Act, and that uh, is shaping up to be uh, quite a doozy. It hasn't been a doozy yet, and I think there are a lot of groups who have, because it is a fairly narrow focus right now as the, as far as enforcement potential. Um, folks have, uh, have basically what I would say is have stopgapped it. Um, there are a few folks out there that have, I think, really put in the the policy procedure foundational work um, that they're going to need next year as the as the application of those rules is going to, it looks like they are going to ramp significantly. Um, this is a big, important topic. And we are going to uh, focus on this a little bit more. Actually, probably we'll end up with a couple of episodes um, dedicated to the No Surprise Act um, in the next few months as we start encouraging everybody to really uh, lay the foundational work they're going to need 
when this rolls into next year because this has the potential in the enforcement side of things to be a real problem um and um so it is something you need to prep for and and we'll give you plenty of time to cover those and we will focus plenty of time on this to to give you understanding of the no surprise act because again it's going to be a a a big uh ticket item and and a big focus um next year if things continue as they appear to be Well, let's wrap this episode up here. And uh, again, thank you all for listening. And Mark, thank you for a great 100 first episodes. And I'm really looking forward to the next 100. So uh, appreciate your wisdom that you've imparted on us and uh, looking forward to, to hearing more, as well as raise sage advice. Yeah. Well, thanks, Scott. I've, I've enjoyed it too. I mean, it's been fun and and you know i've had a couple of comments that it's interesting listening to the three of us you know with our uh, our various styles and our um explanational uh, approaches to things and and your good probing guiding questions on all of this and of course um it is as we have mentioned in the past a little bit of a window into the uh the painter family um conversations when we all get together so um it's been fun uh doing it uh, a little bit more officially um instead of just you know reserving it for breakfasts and uh and dinner parties with <laughs> with wine and probably a little more controlled uh, <laughs> because we've avoided the, the wine and beer <laughs> <laughs> all right well let's uh let's end it on that and uh thank you again for listening. Take us out. Thank you for listening to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and their staff maximize income and efficiencies so there's time and energy for patient care and a happy life. Special thanks to Carl Painter for the music today. You can find his music on Spotify under his record label, the juice rate.